Greetings in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ's name. Hallelujah. May our hearts be kindled with that fire from above. That fire from above. I, I like the Sunday school lesson, the call to revival. The evidence of revival, too. The call to revival, and uh, it should show uh, evidence when we are revived. Uh, I rebuked the church at home about revival meetings. They don't want to call them revival meetings anymore. They just want to call them meetings. We're going to have meetings. And I told them, let's call it revival meetings. That means back to God. And we all need that. We all drift. We drift sometimes and... Uh, we just, uh, we have to admit it. We sometimes get cold or lukewarm maybe. And we need to revive. We need to turn back to God. We need to turn back to him because that's where the fire is. That's where, that's where we can get that victory. That's where we can have the victory over darkness and the evils of the world. That's where victory comes from. So when we find us in that condition, let's not uh, let's uh, let's turn to him again. This morning, I would like to talk or speak to you a little bit on the harvest. Uh, especially since I'm out here, I I look at the fields and I look at uh, the big machines moving through the fields and the harvest and uh, uh, the Bible talks about three harvests. And I'd like to like to speak about those three harvests. Uh, we're, we're, we're reminded uh, the harvest was great in Pennsylvania. We had just an abundance of harvest. It's, the apples, the apple trees were full, and there was just, uh, you know, everything was just looked good. So uh, the harvest, where does it come from? But before, before we start, I need a, a feel a need to just bow our heads in, in prayer. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we come to you and we want to thank you that you are the father of all. You are the father of the harvest. You are the father of the creation where the harvest comes from. You are the father of salvation. And we thank you for that for this great plan of salvation, that we can have life and that when we find ourselves maybe drawing back, that you don't give up on us, but that we can turn back to you and that you would with welcome arms, uh, uh, welcome us in again into your kingdom, O oh God. Thank you for that. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for leading, guiding, directing, and protecting us. Thank you that we can be your sons and daughters. So we ask that you be with us here in the next moments here as we talk about your great rewards and about your great uh, uh, creation, about your great ways. Thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The harvest. There would be no harvest if it wouldn't have been for God. If it wouldn't be for the creation, there, there just wouldn't be a harvest, would there? So uh, 
The first harvest I want to talk about is, is simply the creation or uh, the creation and, and the earthly harvest. Now we all we all have a, a harvest. It might we might not be farmers here in Illinois. We not might not own a combine that we can go out and harvest the field. But everything we do comes from that creation. It doesn't matter what we do. Do we work with steel? Do we work with wood? Do we work with whatever? It all comes from that creation. And I believe that we need to give God the honor and glory. Maybe you would say, well, I, you know, I don't grow a garden. I don't do anything. I, I just grow a paycheck or, 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 or my uh, harvest comes from that. But it's still, it comes from God. Some way it leads back to the creation. Some way it leads back to God. We wouldn't have anything if it wouldn't be for God. And so he wants the honor and glory. He wants the honor and glory of whatever we have. And we're, we're constantly harvesting from that, from that creation. I'm going to read Psalm 65 to start out with. Uh, this gives uh, the honor and glory to God as in Psalm 65. Psalm 65, praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall the vows be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, unto, unto thee shall all flesh come. Iniquities prevail against me, as far as our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Blessed is the man whom thou Jesus and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in the, in the courts we shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. By terrible things in righteousness will thou answer, O God, our salvation, who art the confidence of all ends of the earth and of them that are afar off upon the sea, which by his strength set us fast the mountains, being girded with power, which still is the noise of the sea, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the people. They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at thy token. Thou makest outgoings of the morning and the evening to rejoice. Thou visit the earth and waters it. Thou greatly enriches it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. Thou waterest the rich thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the fur thereof, thou makest it soft with showers, thou blessest the springing thereof, thou crownest the year with thy goodness, and thy pass drop fatness. They drop upon the pasture of wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are closed with flocks, the valleys also are covered over with, the, with corn, they shall shout for joy, they also sing. Wow, God is in everything, isn't he? He is just in everything. The water and everything. And that's, <clears throat> so, so that's, where, that's where it comes from. It comes from, from the creation. The first verses in, 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 in Genesis, it says, In the beginning God created heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. 
the first thing that God did. There wouldn't be a harvest if he wouldn't have divided the darkness and light. The harvest depends on that light. So does the spiritual harvest depend on that light. It's important. Light is so important. And do you know, do you know that darkness doesn't have any power over light, does it? It doesn't. If it's dark, you bring light in, darkness leaves. You can't bring darkness in to get rid of light. That's very important, isn't it? That we understand that, that we they really realize that, that <clears throat> it takes light. It takes light. So why is this earthly harvest so important? What do you see when you see the combines going through, uh, taking the corn out, taking the beans out? What do you, what, what do you think of? What do you, isn't it life? It's life. As I was driving around here uh, the, the last couple of days, I, I thought about that, and I just thought, well, that's life. We have to have that harvest to live. We have to, keep, we have to feed this, this earthly body. This earthly body has to be fed. And that harvest, it means life. It means life. So that's the spiritual harvest. We get to that next. We get the spiritual harvest. So in Genesis also, in, uh, in verse 11, 12, and 13, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and herb yielding seed, and fruit tree yielding fruits, after its kind, whose seeds in itself upon the earth, and so it was. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seeds after its kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seeds was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So God himself said, what I made was good, is good. But he made all this. So let's recognize this. We have to recognize this. As we go on in Genesis here, he gave it to us. He gave it to us to use. What a great love that God really is. Actually, God is love, right? So when you, when, I'm going down a, a side trail here, when we think of this, but when I think of, of love and the, and the love of God and that God is love, I, many times I think of the creation. How he provided for us, for his people, in the many things that he created. He knew, he, he knew exactly what we needed. God, in, in, in the epistle of John, says God is love. And I, sometimes I cringe when I, I hear pastors talk about this, that God is love, but, but, there's also the wrath of God. That's right. It's also the wrath of God, but God is not wrath. God is love. See, the wrath of God is the void of God. That's when we don't have God. I don't think I read in the Bible where it says God is wrath. I don't think that's written in the Bible. I don't think that's the word of God. 
But the, the wrath of God is simply when we don't have God. And in eternity, it's going to be when we're a distance from God. We still on this earth are, 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 enjoy, even the unbelievers, the unbeliever enjoys the grace of God. He enjoys the harvest. He enjoys the things of God. But in eternity, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be a separation, a complete separation. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, male and female, created he, them. So we, under, we understand here that he, he, uh, he created male and female in his image. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over these things, the fish, the fowls, and everything in the earth. In verse 29, he says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in which the fruit of the tree-yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and so it was. And God saw that things that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the six days. Wonderful, just wonderful. He, he gave it to us to use. He wants us to, he wants us to use it. He wants us to, to have it. And so uh, that is, I forget to praise God for that, for the harvest. I forget to, pra uh, to, to, to praise him enough for the harvest and what he has done for us. But it is life. We couldn't live without it. Man has has invented many uh, as in, uh, many things, invented many things. And we just how we do the harvest, we could talk about that for a long time. And uh, I'm exposed myself here, but uh, yeah, I, I've, I, as a young boy, I didn't see these big combines going around the field. They were smaller and you know, uh, we used a thrashing machine, and uh, we did a harvest much different. And and as time went on, it progressed, and you know, it's it's much easier to do today. But it's still all from the creation. Everything is from the creation. So we need to, as we harvest from that, we need to give him. Uh, we need to give him uh, the honor and glory. Jumping ahead a little bit, when, when Noah came out of the ark, this was a promise that God made. He said, as long as the earth remains, there will be a harvest. Now, you can remember a drought here uh, some years ago. There was not much grew out here. It was a, a really dry and dusty, and even this year it was. But uh, God promised this, that it'll be a harvest. 
It'll be fall, winter, and, and so on. It's going to be a harvest. So God never reneges on his promises, does he? He never goes back on his promises. The promises are always there. But we have been given a responsibility, haven't we? To take care of this that God gave us, the creation. He put man, he, he, he created man, he put him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And then the Lord said, you can eat of every tree. And the other night I shared this with you a little bit. He, uh, uh, you can eat of every tree but the one tree that you can't. Isn't that the way we are? We like to harvest where we shouldn't. You know, it's just the way it is. It just looks better across the street or across the fence or whatever it was. But the responsibility is to dress and to keep and to sow. One more thing here on, on, on this harvest. Uh, I found something uh, here in... Uh, in uh, Exodus 34, it says, Six days thou shalt work, but on the seventh day thou shalt rest. In earing time and in harvest thou shalt rest. And thou shalt observe the feast of the week of the first fruit of, of the wheat harvest and the feast of the ingathering at the year's end. The first, of the, first, the first of the first fruit of thy land thou shalt bring unto the house of the Lord thy God. So it means also, this harvest also means Sharing, doesn't it? God wants the first fruit. He wants the first fruit. And, and we kind of forget that when we have a, a good harvest. We kind of forget that. Yes, but God wants part of this. He wants part of this back. Now, I, you know, we could talk about 10% or what, whatever. But I think when we, we go over to the to New Testament... It talks about giving as the Lord blessed you. That might be more than 10%. So maybe, and I usually say this, maybe we should take 10%. That's the least we should give. But anyway, however you felt, felt led by God, but the harvest does that. When you make a harvest, when, you, when the harvest is plentiful, when the harvest, well, no, I don't want to say when it's plentiful. When you get a harvest, then God loves when you bless him with it again. When you bless him with that again. Let's talk about that just a little bit here. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, Boaz was one of them uh, that we read about. And we read about this in different places. We read about when they, they harvested. Now, I haven't seen that out here. Now, we do that sometimes to feed the deer. We take the corners a little bit long, so there's some, some uh, left there in the corners for the deer. But God told Boaz that when you harvest the fields, so it's important that you, uh, when you harvest the fields, leave some. Leave some in the corners and don't glean from whatever falls down. Leave that, he said, in the harvest. Leave that for the strangers, and the poor people. So, 
they, they do a pretty clean job out here in, in, in getting everything. Uh, my thoughts were this way. Well, the welfare system was in place for a long time already, wasn't it? Uh, leave some. So giving is really important when we think about the harvest. It is really important. God wants, wants you to bless him again with that, with the harvest that, he, uh, that you get, get from him. Because why? It's life. It's also life, not for you or for me, but it's life for the poor people. It's also life for them. Do we look at that that way? With odd food, a person doesn't last long. Let's go to the New Testament in Luke 12. I'm going to read about a man that had a bountiful harvest. Luke 12, uh, verse 13. And, and, and Christ was talking to his disciples here, and uh, or... or I'm not sure if it was disciples here. But, and one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he devised the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. And he spake a parable. He gave this parable then. Unto them, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruit? And he said this, I will do, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to, to my soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be re required of thee, then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, sometimes when this is brought out, we feel guilty. Makes us guilty. Well, I have so much more than somebody else. Or how, how are we going to handle this? Now, we notice what he was saying here. This, this rich man said, I know what I will do. I will just feed myself. There was nothing wrong with building bigger or buying another piece of land and farming it. There's nothing wrong with that. I, in fact, I encourage you growing your businesses and your farms. That's the way to survive. In fact, I think that's what he told Adam and Eve, the first people. He said, dress and keep. And that means put it under cultivation and make it more. And I think, I think God loves to see that. But he also loves kind-hearted people. He loves people that have a heart to help, to help people. And I think where this man made the mistake, he said, I'm going to say to my soul, I've got a mate. I've got a mate. And I also want to say that I'm not saying that you shouldn't lay up for your old days. I very much encourage you to, to, to take care of that while you're 
April. While you're young, fresh bodies lay up some for your, uh, your retirement or when you can't work anymore. Unless you do, you're going to be one of the poor people gleaning, right? You can't help anymore. Does that make sense? That's the way I think of it. You can, uh, at the end, you can uh, give testimony and argue about it if you want to. But, but he made that mistake. So remember, let's remember this. The first is this, this harvest that we see going on and that's going on in our life is life. Let's turn to John 4. I want to talk about the next one, the next harvest, and we'll turn to a spiritual harvest now. And uh, John 4. In verse 35, say you not, therefore, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, it didn't make sense to them, did it? Because they were looking over a field, and it wasn't, you know, and this was like this spring. We looked at the cornfields out here, and if somebody said it's, it's ripe to harvest. No, it's going to be four months till we can harvest that corn. But he was looking at the people, the souls, to harvest the souls here. He said it's already white to harvest. It is already white to harvest. Wonder what he would say now when he would look up and when we, if we would get up to a high mountain, look over the whole world and see all the billions, how many, six billion, seven billion people. We could see them all. I know there'd be a bunch of white spots in there. There'd be a bunch of believers. There's a bunch of believers in the world, more than ever, because we have more people, but there's also Many, many souls to, to reap. There's many, many souls out there that need the light. They need Jesus Christ. And this is what he is saying here. That be part of this. The harvest is white. It is great. It is white. In Matthew it says it this way. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then said he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into the harvest. Now this is something we can pray for. This is something we can pray daily for, that he would send labors into the harvest. Let's turn back to Matthew 10, and it talks about this harvest. Matthew 10, in, in verse 6, he, he, he tells us how to do this. Now, I know he, he tells us in um, uh, one of the chapters where the Great Commission, he says, Go ye in all the world 
and baptize and, and on and on. But here he, he, in Matthew 10, verse 6, he tells us where to go. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is where you should make the, the, the harvest. Now, I take that as for us today that he says, go to the lost. Go to the people that don't have Christ. Don't go rob other churches. Go to the people that are lost. That's where we should go. Bring them into the kingdom. Harvest them. Bring them into the kingdom. Tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. If not, who's going to do it? The harvest. And there's many, many opportunities for that. There is many, many opportunities for that. He tells us what to say. And as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I already said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is possible. Salvation is here. It is close. All you have to do is open your heart. Open your heart. The day, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. This is what we should be saying. In verse 8, it says, heal the sick, cleanse, it says, now what we should do in this harvest, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Everything that we have is from God. It was freely given to us. Salvation especially was freely given to us, wasn't it? I didn't pay for mine. I don't know if you paid for yours. I didn't. It was free. Heal the sick. So should we have a healing session here? I, I believe that God in, in, can work miracles today as he, he did any time, and he, kill, he can heal the, the sick. But there's also other ways that we can help heal the sick, and that is simply by giving and helping with the medical. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's expensive now, and we can do that. Cast out devils. How can we cast out devils? Do we have to jump up and down and chase them and do that? Isn't the best way, this is what I usually say, so the best way to chase devils is to get a person to receive Jesus Christ. That's the best way to chase a devil. Because the devil can't be where Jesus is. So when a person receives Jesus Christ, he gets the light. And darkness has to move it out of here. So that's the best way to chase out devils, I believe. Now he tells us in 10 how to go. Don't take a script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Don't take these things with you. You know what? We, we have to be real sometimes, but sometimes I'm afraid the missions are all about money and not about a soul. And that's sad. When it's all about money and not about a soul, their souls. I, I'm afraid, and I've, I've talked to quite a few pastors about this already, and they tell, tell me the same thing. We send our young people out, they come back, and they are so joyful because they had such a good time. They're so joyful 
You had such a good time. They learned so much, and they, they, they just, that morning meetings in an upscale coffee shop was just, oh, it was just uh, the best thing that happened to me in a long time. Isn't that sad? You never tell how many people did you convert? How many people did you get to receive Jesus Christ? That's what it is all about. That's what it's about. It's about bringing people to Christ. It's not about me having a good time. It's not about uh, what I have learned, but it's about bringing people in. I preached this message some time ago in my home congregation there. And this is what I said, and I didn't get very much testimony afterwards. But I'm going to say it again. This is what it said. Why don't we, when we sent one person out to a foreign land or out of state or where, and I'm all for that. I support it. I support foreign missions, and I support that. But why don't we, when we do that, why don't we, we'll send one person to Africa, which our churches have started, many churches in Africa, We'll send one person to Africa, but that means the next person that goes on the mission field stays right here and volunteers two years to do the same mission right here in Meatville, Pennsylvania. Do you think if all churches would practice that, the churches would explode and grow? Do you think it would make a difference into communities? I think it would. I really think it would. If we would put the same effort, now I know the church is here, and the churches are supposed to be that mission too, but if we'd have volunteers to do that, no pay, you're, you're doing, you're volunteering for this for two years in your home community, whatever it might be. Is it feeding people? Is it taking care of old people? Is it, is it uh, bringing people into going out and preaching the message or whatever it is? passing out tracts or whatever it is. I believe that is what the Great Commission was all about, is growing churches. We'll leave that. You can talk about that. You can, you can uh, yeah, rebuke me on that too, if you want to. Now, what is going to happen if, if, you, if you go out there in Matthew 10, verse 16, it says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Be a, be a, but be aware of men, for they will deliver you up in the council, and they will scorch you in the synagogues. And you shall be brought before the governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you're going to say, for it shall be given you that same hour you shall uh, speak. For it is not you that speak, but it's the spirit of your father. The spirit of the Father. Now, I, I realize, and I say this too, we train our missionaries to death before they go. And, and, and I want, we need some training. We need, some, we need to know what we're doing here in this mission 
we, we need to know a little bit about the instructions here in the Bible, how to use this. But we put so much emphasis on that, that we forget that the one tool, the most important tool, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that's the most important thing for our missionaries and for all of us. It's the Holy Spirit. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we don't let the Holy Spirit work in our lives, we aren't going to be very effective. We just are because that's God. We need that. We need the Holy Spirit. When Christ was here on earth, and he was out teaching, you know, so those evil people always knew who Jesus was to them. They, they, they knew that this is the Son of God, this is his life. The devils know that. The evil spirits know that. See, so it's important that we have the Holy Spirit because we, see, the evils know that. They know that. They don't know who John Yoder is. They don't know who uh, Rock Haven is. They don't, might not know who, who uh, the Anabaptists are. They might not know who the Beachy are, or the Amish, or the Mennonites, or the Methodists, or the, the Baptists, or the whatever. But they know who the Holy Spirit is. They know who Christ is. And if we have that, if we have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us, they will know. Those evils will know that we're coming into the light, and that's so important. The most important tool to have to go into the mission to harvest is not a John Deere or a massive freaking a combined or whatever you want to, whatever tractor it is, but most important thing is the Holy Ghost. You need that. So, We have this earthly harvest, we have this spiritual harvest. One more harvest I want to talk about briefly here. In Revelation 14 it says, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his head a sharp combined, a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. The end times, there's going to be a harvest. God is going to take care of this harvest. God is going to do this harvest. And there's, there's, there's some things about this harvest. Now, the first harvest I talked about What's this earthly harvest? As I seen the combines go down the, down the field, I seen there was dust coming out of the bag. And there was, uh, the unwanted was coming out the bag. And the others, they loaded up into the, into the, uh, into the combine, into the hopper, or whatever you want to call them. There is a separation. This harvest has a judgment. All harvests have a judgment, don't they? The earthly harvest here has a judgment. They separate things, the fruitful things we want. When I pick apples or when we, when we go into the garden, when it's rotten or so, we, we pitch it away. 
So the harvest has judgment. The idea of judgment. We take the fruit, we take the fruitful part and we, we take get rid of the unfruitful part. In uh, Matthew 13. Matthew 13. This, this is the this is the 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 parable of the the hares. And it's again it talks about this separation, about the enemy sowed these tares in there, and so the, the servants here, I'm not gonna read it here, but just the servants said, Well, should we take it out? No, leave it till the harvest. Said leave it till the harvest. And I'm not sure what that all what this all means, but the one thing it means this is he said, leave it till the harvest, and then I will tell the angels to, to bind it up and throw it away. And that's, that's what's going to happen. In Matthew 25, we also we read about this, where, where he is going to come, and he's going to sit on the throne, and he's going to, tell the, he's going to say to the goats, off to the left, and the sheep to the right. So we notice this harvest is also going to come. We are going to be part of this harvest. We can't hide. We, we're, we're not going to hide. Every one of us, every soul that was born, every soul is going to be in this harvest. There is a... Did you ever hear the story about the, the man? Maybe I told you this story a little bit. This man uh, wanted to get away from this harvest. He wanted to get away from this judgment day. He wanted to get away from this. And uh, so there was a leaning stone. And it leaned, you know, about like that. And he said when he dies, he wants to be buried under that stone. So, and that stone was moving. Over time, it moved. And it was, depending on how many years it would be flat. And he wanted to be buried under there. And uh, I heard preachers talk about this and years ago. And uh, it just so happened, I, I, looked, I Googled it, and I looked it up, and it's not far from our place where it happened. So I stopped in, and the farmer there charged us a, a dollar to go up and look at this, uh, this grave. And uh, in fact, it, 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 was, it, was so, uh, it was angled so far that they had to be on their hands and knees to dig the grave. And he stuck them in there, feet first, so they could put a tombstone on the outside. This was in uh, 18, I can't remember the years anymore. But it's a huge stone. It's, it's a huge stone. It's about, I'd say 10 feet wide, and it's about, it's about 12 feet high, probably. But when I got there, that stone is now going the other way. It stood up and it's going the other way. And the farmer there said, yeah, I remember when it was leaning the other way a little bit, but it's going the other way. It's still moving, but it's moving the other way. And his grave is exposed. He wanted that stone to fall down on him so the devil could be getting it. When, that, when, when the uh, resurrection is or whenever the end time is. The power of God. The power of God. So, 
I'm telling you that we will be part of this God's harvest here. And it depends which side we're going to be on is how we relate to the first two harvests, I believe. I think it's, it's, it's how it's going to be. So praise the Lord that he has provided for us that we can be in this harvest in a right way, in a way that we can be on the right side. What you sow, you shall also reap. Praise God for his great plan of salvation. I will turn, turn the time over to Henry. I can also just say praise the Lord because uh, it was good with what we heard today. <clears throat> My mind also reflected back and on the last part on like the combines and like I've never drove in a, driven a combine or don't know, but I would surely also can imagine and understand that it has some of the same components in it working the same way as it did when we did thrashing with a thrashing machine because I can remember vividly how my father would... Um, <clears throat> would adjust the airflow. The big blower that was on the bottom of the machine would open or close the vents according to how heavy the wheat or oats was. Would take a shovel and go to the back and open up that door and stick the shovel in there and catch that was coming off the shakers to see how many kernels what was left in there. If there was too many or not enough, he would adjust the airflow. So the separation of that um, taking place was very real and was acknowledged and checked from time to time. I also know that the Word of God tells us that, you know, God will, <clears throat> there's things that, that God shakes up within us and in our lives, and He shakes that so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. So, you know, the, 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 the bounty or the, the, the fruit, the, the excellence of the, you know, even the light kernels of wheat, you know, would get blown out into, the, into this into this. The thing, but I also noticed something this morning that kind of goes with that <clears throat> coming. We brought the gravel road across there, and uh, I'm not sure is it Emkin or what the guy's name is that got the nice, real nice Hereford beef cows um, there across from John Yoder's down a little bit there towards Burl Taylor's. You know, he, he does something that rarely is seen. So he plants the field of corn and he's got it all fenced. And today, you know, them cows are in there harvesting the excess of that corn. They're eating the stalks and picking up the excess ears, and are they ever in good condition? You know, I just thought, that doesn't happen. You know, they, instead of letting that go to waste, um, what you see today out here, there's, uh, I don't see any poor people out here in the fields, John. I guess, you know, they're not out here harvesting, so are there no poor or what? Picking up the excess. We can do it that way, I guess. I just, you know, you don't see that happening today, even though it was, you know, a command. But I saw him, I saw that as being frugal. You know, it's like he was using the cows to harvest the excess, and then, of course, again, it's a beautiful thought. Thought that you shared, you know, the thinking that of of all things come from creation. You know, that that it really was and like like you talked about, shared about the sun. You know, it's like if you're in the if there would be no sun, there would be no life. You know, I mean, it would just 
I was like, well, I don't benefit from that. I'm in the solar industry. I install solar panels. Well, but who created the sun to make solar panels work, you know? So thanks be to God, you know, for, for that and also for his unspeakable gift that he gives to us as, as the free gift of salvation. So I don't have a lot more. I would just, you know, give testimony that it was the word of God and it was a blessing to be here. And thank you for sharing all that at a time of the year when we see a bountiful harvest again and again. And yes, there's a day coming when, the, when God will put in his sickle and do a final harvest of all of his creation. So I'm open, open up for anyone else who wants to give a word of testimony.